1: You'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with
2: It's Freddie Prinz Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff.
3: All right, if there was ever a need for a bonus podcast, it is today. Sunday, May 1st, less than 24 hours after Katie Taylor and Amanda Serrano squared off in the biggest fight in women's boxing history. And to say it lived up to expectations would be a massive understatement. I was ringside calling the fight as part of the DAZN broadcast team. Also wrote a little bit about it. Over at si.com. Jake Donovan for BoxingScene.com was also ringside as well. Uh, Jake, let's j- dive right into it. Just give me your, yeah. you know, when you think of what you saw with Taylor Serrano, what will come yeah. to mind first?
0: Just, I mean, just you know, Eddie kept saying it all week. It was truly a moment in time. And it's like it sounded like a phrase up until maybe Friday when you were at that wing. Then you knew like something special was on the horizon. You still didn't know what to expect. Then we were there Saturday. We saw the crowd going at it. Amanda, that's a massive turnout for her under any other circumstance. That was dwarfed by Katie's, you know, all those Irish fans in attendance. Going back and forth with the Ole and the you know, Yo Soy Boricua chants. That just created that moment. And then for them to get in the ring and get it absolutely right. And because let's face it, with, with women in boxing, we can't call it women's boxing anymore. Women in boxing, it has to be perfect. Otherwise, it's like, okay, well they did it. It didn't live up. On to the next one. They got it absolutely right, and for everything we expected it to be and we demanded it to be, it went far and beyond. The fact that we are calling it, or at least I am, the fight of the year right now, that is the leading candidate for fight of the year, male, female, regardless. That that just speaks volumes of, of what we witnessed on Saturday night.
3: Yeah, you saw, I think, the best of both women. You saw Katie Taylor bring it. You saw Amanda of yep. Toronto bring it. And what I was kind of seeing all fight long was like both these women were – you know, executing kind of their game plan. Like they were both yeah. doing exactly what they wanted to do. Katie wanted to move a little bit. She was yeah. eventually drawn into more of a war and, you know, that didn't work out for her. Amanda was applying <laughs> pressure. Uh, she later succumbed to some movement from Katie Taylor. Um, how did you score it? Like when, when that final bell rang, how did you have
0: it? So I found myself alone in press row. Um, I think there was one other writer who had it the same as me. I had it 95-95.
3: That's why I I Wyatt. That's a yeah, ringside. And, uh, yeah
0: and I was right on the fence of scoring that fifth round 10-8 for Amanda which would have given her a one-point victory and I was kind of surprised I was getting these side looks like nah Katie won by two some people had a winning 97-93 I'm like that's not the fight I saw I was very surprised and then outside of the arena people watching at home like I found out most of them had Amanda winning so it was it was weird how we all just saw like a completely different fight but I thought it was dead even right down the middle 95-95 and not that we want to draw but it's, it's almost what they deserve because, you know, it, it's cheesy to say there was no losers. Everyone was winners, but they both deserved to win that night. So it was a shame that, it, you know, more people are talking about the scoring than the fight itself. It's almost going back to Michaela Mayer and Maiva Hamadouche, which was a fight of the year contender last year. And we talked about how Hamadouche only won two, one and zero rounds on the cards. So for a yeah, man that's only won three I, rounds. Yeah.
3: yeah, I mean, I don't think. Look, I don't think any of the judges' score cards were wrong. Um, I thought Glenn Feldman was a little bit wide at 97-93. The tough rounds to score, and this showed up on the card. They probably showed on the official cards. They showed up on my card. They probably showed up on your card as well with the first three rounds. Um, You had, you know, one judge score all three rounds for Katie Taylor. One judge scored two of the three rounds for Amanda Serrano. One judge scored two of the three rounds for Katie Taylor. I scored two of the three rounds, first three rounds for Amanda Serrano but you can see okay. them going the other way like you know there wasn't a ton of activity in those yeah. first three rounds the real clarity in this fight the first moments of clarity for me came in four five and six when Amanda Serrano okay. started to assert herself physically in this fight and that fifth round Jake if you told me if I after that fifth round ended and you told me Katie Taylor was yeah. going to come out victorious in that fight I never would have believed a- you Katie Taylor yep. was badly beat. I think the official punch stats were like forty-four to eleven or something like that, and in that yep. ballpark um, for for that fifth round. And Amanda Serrano was landing some bombs. She had Katie Taylor yep. almost out on her feet, and for Katie to come back, well, let's just pause there. Like in that fifth round, what did you see out of Amanda Serrano?
0: Well, we saw the best of. I mean, we it reminded me of like what makes Fulton so special. It's like Katie Taylor for as high as she on. She's, she's a warrior in the ring. I mean, she, her chin and her resiliency is next level. Amanda Serrano, we, she has an extremely heavy, uh, high uh, work engine. I, like I've always said, I wanted to see a fight with her and Delphine soon, because that would, like, destroy CompuBox records. Amanda is, like, we're forgetting. It's two-minute rounds, and she's putting up these – she threw 114 punches in two minutes. That's – just her work rate is just off the charts. And to throw at that heavy level – You know, I know we keep talking about if women's fights were, you know, three minute rounds, like would she have gotten a knockout if that round went one more minute? How much more punishment could Katie possibly take? But we seem to be asking that about Katie in every tough fight she's in and she's yet to go down. So it's we kind of saw what makes both of them so special, but more so Amanda, because that was clearly that was like if if you couldn't get one round wrong in that fight, that was the round. Like that was Amanda's, you know, like you said, she was well on her way to victory after that fifth round.
3: So how the comeback really started in round seven, where Katie started to pick up the pace and started to sweep the rounds. She swept the last four rounds on all three of the judges' scorecard. They swept the last four rounds on my scorecard as well. What changed? What did you see change over those final rounds? Was it Amanda slowing down? Was it Katie making an adjustment? Was a little bit of both? What changed in the final stage of that fight to you?
0: You know, I kind of saw it a little bit, too, when Amanda fought uh, Marion Gutierrez last December. The difference was she was able to beat on Gutierrez for 10 rounds because Gutierrez just didn't have any response. But over the second half of that fight, like once she sensed she wasn't getting the knockout, she did, you know, she threw so many punches. It, it does take a lot out of you. And we forget, you know, Amanda, like she defines pound for pound. She's fought in seven different weight classes. This fight, a pound for pound fight, she was fighting at her walk around weight. She weighed 133.6 on Friday. She pretty much weighed the same thing on Saturday, same thing in her last fight. So she's really she, a featherweight.
3: Like, you saw this. Yeah. She was eating cookies and cheeseburgers yes. and hamburgers <laughs> all week long. Everywhere she's going, she's eating like a burger. Right. This is not your typical fight week uh, diet. She was eating her way up to the lightweight limit, and she didn't even really come close exactly. to it by the, uh, exactly. by the way.
0: Right. Yeah, and she even had to bring her camp back. Like She was training in Puerto Rico, but it was so hot out there. She was losing so much weight. She had to come back to New York just to keep that weight on. So... We forget that about her like this. This is no matter where you got these, you know, uh, to me, it's Amanda, Katie, and Claressa, whatever order you want, one, two, and three. So uh, Amanda's in that top three fighting arguably the best pound-for-pound fighter, two weights above her, you know, best. That takes a lot out of you in a, in a Texans fight like this. So I think that's what we saw in the second half. It's like the fifth and sixth rounds, it really seemed like she was on the verge of something special. And then I just don't know if it was just there for her in those last four rounds. We started to see her slow down. And the difference is. Katie is an elite level talent so she's going to exploit that and I think she did to a degree.
3: You know you've been at a lot of big fights ringside for a lot of big fights when I have my headset on I can't absorb the atmosphere as well as I'd like to if I was sitting there like from your perspective like what was that atmosphere like at MSG what was the crowd like compared to all their major events.
0: It was off the charts. I, I keep saying, like, this is, like, the one. I, I've been to fights, like, you know, I, I'll always remember being at the all three Arturo Daddy Mickey Ward fights. This is an event I will never, ever forget. Like, I didn't want to leave Madison Square Garden that night. The last time I felt like that was when Nassim Ahmed came to the United States, when he fought Kevin Kelly. Uh, it was the same reaction. He we went outside. It was just a celebration in the streets. And it was so beautiful to see, because it was our sport that was creating this moment. Then you go outside, you know, it's a Saturday night, you see all these Irish fans. There's only one, you know. Katie, I'm not going to sing it, but only one Katie, there is, you know, I know there's only one Ricky Hatton, only one there truly is only one Katie, Katie Taylor. Cause she made this happen for women in boxing to get to this level. And she needed Amanda Serrano to help, you know, finish that journey for herself. That was, I mean, and that was so well reflected in the arena. Like people are arguing if it was a sellout, they saw some NPCs. I don't care. If it was only 9,000 people in that arena. It felt like 90,000. Someone said it best. Like for every person that was in there, it felt like there was 10 voices.
3: Yeah, these were all passionate fans of yep. each one of the fighters. There were no casuals in that building tonight. No people Not that just build. wanted to see a show and were looking to look at the leave right after it ended. They were all uh, energized for that. And you know, I remember in the lead up to this fight, I talked to Christy Martin a lot about this, and I've talked to Katie about this in particular. The Christy Martin Deirdre Gogarty fight is mm-hmm. was viewed as one of the most influential fights up until that yep. point in women's boxing history it was 1996 it was on a mike tyson yep. undercard it had great exposure um and it lived up to expectations and you know exactly. christy and katie both told me in the weeks leading up like it was really important that that fight yep. lived up to expectations. If, if if christy and deirdre went out and put on a stinker and just exactly. kind of wrestled or whatever women's boxing yep. would have been set back and i think similarly jake if this yeah. fight, because of the hype behind it, because Eddie Hearn's calling it a moment in time, because Madison Square Garden, right. first time ever, all the promotion that went behind it, if this fight was a dud, I don't know if it would have set women's boxing back, but it certainly wouldn't have pushed it forward as much as it did yeah. on Saturday.
0: You know, I always think about, so next week we got Canelo Alvarez coming off. He's fighting uh, Dimitri Bivol. I think about like Canelo is the face of boxing, men or women. If Canelo loses, like Mexico doesn't fall apart. Like, there's still that rich history of boxing in Mexico. Canelo Alvarez, I mean, he survived, you know, drug testing and, you know, controversial decisions. He's still the number one man and number one, you know, figure in the sport. Like, to your point, if, if this fight was just a fight, you know, that's it. It's like, okay, we gave him the shot. It's just back to the men. Like, I even think back to when Clarissa Shields fought Christina Hammer. That had a ridiculous amount of hype. I thought it was unfortunate because Clarissa deserves better. She's an elite-level talent. She's already, you know, we're going to be putting her in the Hall of Fame. But that was a fight where she was so dominant. It was like, well, what was all this hype? How is this, you know, the best fight? That, it just sounded like, you know, people know when they're being scammed. That sounded like a marketing scheme. And that was the fear going into this fight. But what I love is that, like, with Eddie, he's a promoter. He has to, you know, say, you know, promotional things. But there's a special bond with Katie that he has. It's not even like, you know, Katie doesn't let a lot of people in. But he's very, he knows how to approach things. Like, she, he even told me, like, she taught him the value of equality. Not just to put on a fight because it's women in the ring, that it has to mean something. You can't cheapen the product. Like Katie's the one that taught him that. And he's been very responsible when it's come to promoting her career. And that's we saw all of that come to play on Saturday. And then the fight just, you know, put it over over the edge.
3: God, she's such a fucking warrior, man. Like yeah. just like just I, I keep going back to that fifth round of the beating she took and how bloodied her face was. And she knew the kind of puncher she was in with. She knew the fight that she was in. Uh, Her legs were clearly still an issue. Like she was standing up in the corner. I asked Ross, uh, her trainer in uh, the locker room afterwards, like the standing up that that had to do with the legs. Right. He's like, yeah, you know, she had some calf injuries in recent years. So they're trying to keep the legs sharp. But she finally sat down in the second half of that fight because it was so taxing. You can't stand up exactly, you know, for an extra 60 seconds uh, in between rounds to dig deep like that. I don't know how many fighters. Uh, Jake men or women will be able to do that that would be that yeah. would face that kind of adversity and and be able to not only survive it but you know catch that second win and come back and win I mean that was Katie's had some remarkable achievements in her career she won the gold medal yeah. back in 2012 she's done amazing things for women's box you can certainly argue she is the most influential figure in women's boxing history. But this was this was the stamp Jake this like as a yeah. boxer there was no bigger moment that I can recall for Katie Taylor other than that night
0: Absolutely. And that was the first question I asked her during the post-fight press conference, because it was in the same building. She beat Delphine Pursuit. But that even left the bad taste in her mouth. She wasn't happy with that performance. She needed this fight and she needed this opponent to deliver. You know, this was her career defining win and her career defining moment. She even said that that is it it surpassed even when she won the Olympic gold medal. You know, her being responsible for the women even being in the Olympics, uh, women's boxing. So for that, you know, for her to say that, and then to say that there's still more she wants to, that's just that she could walk off to the sunshine. She doesn't owe us anything at this point. She could say, you know what, I'm done. Get me a rinky-dink fight in Ireland because that's the one thing she hasn't done left. You know, she, like I said, she neither she nor Amanda owe us anything. They can walk off, but they still want more. That's the beauty of it. And oh, all, what gets, I'm sorry, one what gets really lost in this? Both of them, for pound for pound level that they are, have been extremely active too. This is Katie's, I want to say sixth fight since the pandemic. Amanda's had five plus an MMA fight. So we're not getting that on the men's side. They're fighting, if we're lucky, twice a year. They're fighting every four or five months and they want more.
3: Yeah. (laughs) They're fighting in big fights every single time. It's amazing to watch them. Uh, They got to do it again, right? I mean, that's a no brainer. Am I missing something? Like, they got to do it again, right?
0: (laughs) They do. So, and the big talk was they want to do the fight in Ireland. You know, again, Katie wants to fight in Ireland. Eddie even said, It'd be a travesty if she doesn't get to fight in Ireland before her career is over. The problem, and I'm not going to try to turn this into, you know, the stuff that's been going on in the sport, but that part of it does have to be cleared up. They have to make sure it's safe before they can bring boxing back to Ireland.
3: Well, see, so that, that's, if, and that's, yeah, like, yeah, I, I, want, I want, I want, this is what I want to touch on. So I want to get your, because you've done a lot of reporting on Daniel Kinhan, MTK. Um, right. In the magazine leading up to the Taylor fight, I basically wrote that the reason, Katie, has not fought in Ireland, has everything to do with Daniel Kinahan and MTK. To do a show in Ireland, you effectively have to put on MTK fighters. And with that comes the the risk of violence uh, from Daniel Kinahan's enemies that are out there. There was a shooting at a weigh-in in in Ireland uh, several years ago. And Taylor's team has been told in no uncertain terms, do not bring a big show here because there's the fear of violence. Now, at, you know, you've been on top of this as much as anyone, Jake, when it comes to reporting on Daniel Kinahan. Like, have things changed? Eddie Hearn in the locker room seemed to suggest to me that things had changed. Like, this, the door is now open for Katie Taylor to return to Ireland. Do you believe that the, uh, the, the way the U.S. is starting to go after Daniel Kinahan with the bounty placed on him and the sanctions sure. and the dissolution of MTK, is that a game changer when it comes to Katie Taylor fighting in Ireland?
0: It is, but it's not going to be the next move. That's the thing. There's still work to be done. That's why I keep trying to explain to it. And Eddie knows it, too. He even said, we still have to see how things sort out. We're still seeing people. Like, there were certain people who weren't allowed to come to this fight, for example. Not going to drop names, but, you know, they're being questioned on their relationship. So, U.S., Ireland, U.K., Spain, now, you know, the Dubai, they're all, it's a global investigation into this. So, they're trying to, they have to put, you know, connect all those dots before they could truly move forward and say, okay, this is no longer an issue, no longer a concern. And... That was like when all this happened, I was on another podcast and I said, that's the pot of the gold at the end of the rainbow, that Katie finally gets her fight in Ireland. And this is the first time we've ever heard her talk about that. Like, she's kind of brushed it off in the past because they all knew why she couldn't fight in Ireland. This is the first time where she and Eddie and now even Amanda Serrano are saying, yeah, let's go to Ireland. Now they see there is a path there. The door is open. The path's not clear. But this is the first time where they can, you know, envision it, which is a beautiful thing for for Katie Taylor. Uh, That is the one thing to to support also.
3: Yeah, I don't know how to put in context for a U.S. audience how big Katie Taylor is in Ireland. There's video out there for returning yeah. to Bray, her hometown, after she won the gold medal in 2012. And there are like 20,000 fans yes. gathered right. there to see her come back with <laughs> yeah. that gold medal. She's just up on a little perch and she's surrounded by a sea of humanity. If Katie Taylor yeah. fights in what, Croke Park in Dublin at some yeah. point in the next year, I don't know what the max capacity is 75, 80,000, but they'll exceed that. Yeah. It will be. Standing room on top of standing room. You have to build another stanchion on top of the upper level to fit the number of people. It would probably rival one of the greatest, or the greatest atmosphere you've ever seen in all Absolutely. of boxing. But she is the Muhammad Ali of, of Ireland. Yeah. She is, and that might even not be doing it justice. Like she's, right. she's bigger than any other sports star over there. And it's really not even close. Like even as big as Conor McGregor is, Katie Taylor's bigger. Like she is a yeah. more uh, historically well-known name there.
0: Yeah, so Eddie even said that too earlier in the week, like she is the greatest athlete in Irish history. And it was the one time where Eddie said something and like people are like, ah, you're full of crap. You don't know what, like they're like, you know what? Top five, maybe she is top one. That's, it's not hyperbole. And, you know, like people are cautious to compare anyone to Muhammad Ali just because of the political influence. You know, it was so much bigger than boxing, but she is so much bigger than boxing. It is a proper comparison.
3: Yeah, it really is. Um, So I, I think we both agree as much fun as it would be to go to Ireland next, probably not. If they're going to do this fight again in 2022, which look both these women are, as you said, active fighters, they're going to want to fight again. If they do it again and the money's there, is it just back in New York? Is there another, do you go to Vegas? Do you think there's another venue that makes sense for Taylor Serrano too?
0: Well, I mean, I think anywhere on the East coast, it's still an advantage for Katie Taylor. I mean, you could do it in Boston. You could, someone suggested Yankee Stadium. I mean, when was the, you know, I think Cotto was the last time to fight there. So no matter where it is on the East Coast, you know, her fan it's safe to say no matter where she fights, her fans are going to follow her. We saw that, you know, all throughout the week and especially last night. So I, I would love to see, you know, if she is going to fight there, you know, why not in you know New England or in New York? So uh, I think they are going to go this path because, you know, we do, it, it's, it, um, it's tempting to want to see that rematch right, right away, but Amanda still wants to be the first undisputed champion champion it's a big risk for her to fight katie again fight a third straight time at lightweight which is not her you know natural weight and there is the theory that you know what katie figured her out enough to win this fight maybe she times her enough to where the second fight isn't even as competitive like i i think amanda can do certain things better but it's not what makes amanda serrano the things that katie can do better is you know is quintessential katie taylor so what i would like to personally see not to drift too far off Maybe Amanda can drop back down to featherweight. She has the muscle behind her now with with Jake Paul and you know Nakisa. Maybe those featherweight champions that didn't want to fight her didn't you know it was just a career high payday. Now they can make life changing of money off of her. So that's to me that's Katie's, um, sorry Amanda's path to becoming Puerto Rico's first ever undisputed champion. Then work her way back up. Maybe by then you know Alicia Baumgartner and Michaela Mayer fought each other and you got an undisputed champion at 130. So Amanda can move up and fight them, or the winner of that can go up and fight Katie Taylor. There's options for both of them. They even talked about Katie fighting Jessica McCaskill at a catchweight. You know, Jessica is a small, she is clearly, you know, she's the undisputed welterweight champion, but she is a small welterweight. There is room for her to, to come back down. That was her last loss, and it was a competitive loss. It was one of Katie's most competitive fights to that point. So that's an intrigue. you know, Jessica was on the, on you know, on the call with you last night. So. There, there are a lot of options for both of them. The risk is that, you know, one of them could lose along the way to maybe, you know, take away from the shine from the rematch. But j- if that rematch has to happen in Ireland, I would, I think there is a path where they can do a little bit more to get to that point and somehow make it even bigger than what we saw
3: last night. Well, we saw Jake Paul announce that he's going to be back in the ring in August. Right. That's plenty of time for Amanda Serrano to recover and potentially get back yep. in a fight at 126, where she is so physically dominant that has been so yep. good at that weight class and below with, with, Katie, like, you know, one thing that came up talking to Taylor's team was like, when you look at past performances and all like the subpar stuff, they, one thing they said, you hear this a lot in box, but I kind of believe it when it comes to team Taylor, like just wasn't as up for kind of those, you know, lesser fights that she was up for Amanda Serrano right. at 35 years old, believe me 36 this year. Um, <laughs> You know, I, I don't know if she's going to be interested. I mean, I guess McCaskill would be interesting. Although I think McCaskill, is she going to wait for the winner of Kaylee Reese, Chantel Cameron, and try to do that? Right. Like, I don't know if that's going to be uh, her path. Um, I always wonder who Katie would turn to that would get her, her motive. The other part of this, Jake, is that like, I mean, I don't know as we sit here, what the Zone viewership numbers were, but that's going to dictate a lot of, you know, how quick this fight gets put back together. I mean, Eddie Hearn told me that there yeah. was a rematch clause uh, on Matchroom's part, but like it wasn't an automatic right. exercise if Katie Taylor had lost, because if, he, if, she had lost, I mean, if she had lost, and if she had lost, the numbers were bad. They probably wouldn't right. do the rematch under the current terms because they were paid a lot of money, and there was a lot of money invested uh, in this show. Exactly. So I'm very curious to see like how well DAZN did with this yeah. broadcast, what kind of viewership numbers, subscriber numbers, like all, all the things that they, they 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 count, they tabulate that uh, takes them to the bank. If it's big, I can yeah. see Eddie DAZN pushing hard to get these two Absolutely. back in the ring before the end of the year, dangling that seven-figure payday that as you know look as much money as uh, amanda's made fighting on these jake paul undercards she probably made right. 10 times what she made you know doing that 100 100 some thousand doing the jake paul stuff and you know reportedly over a million dollars for this one exactly. so i don't see either yeah. one of them turning it down if if a seven-figure payday is dangled in front of them again
0: no i, I agree with you 100 on that and i was thinking about that august 13th day too it's like they both had, you know, pretty bad cuts. They had to get stitched up. So if that is enough time for, you know, Amanda, you know, she's taking a family to Disney World. They joke they're finally going to spend some of this money they've finally been making. So if that's enough for her to rejuvenate, get back, you know, she's going to, you know, she's going to do her two or three of day workouts as soon as, you know, she has some free time. So if she can get back on that August 13th uh, card, like I said, maybe a featherweight champ or maybe even someone feasible at 130, that builds the path towards the rematch. So. Um, and again, the rematch doesn't necessarily have to take place in Ireland. I do feel like when Katie does fight in Ireland, it has to be something special. It can't just be yep. her fighting there. But the other side is that if she doesn't get up for these mandatories, like you know Jennifer Hahn and uh, Sharapova, who she had a fight last year, maybe an opponent like that, she does get up for it because it's, she's finally fighting in Dublin. So that is the I other mean, option.
3: I mean, don't, also, don't reinvent the wheel. Like, if it's at MSG again, we're all happy. <laughs> like, you do have yeah, the same Joel atmosphere Fisher, yeah. again, in December, you're not missing out on anything, just running it back. Last thing for you, yeah. if they do fight again, let's say December, is it still a 50-50 fight for you? Is it, do you still think it's a coin flip outcome?
0: It's a very good question. Like I said, I want to see what Amanda, if she is able to drop back down. Um, like if she can go back to featherweight, kind of you know, uh, rev up her engines again, then move back up. I think that would be more effective, you know, moving back up to lightweight and not even weighing 130. Like maybe she comes in at 130, one and a half, 132. Something that's comfortable, like she knows what she's capable of doing in there against Katie. So maybe she comes in like maybe a pound lighter, she has that little bit more energy, you know, and then that that's her path to the finish line and, and you know, finishing what she started in this fight. So yeah, I still think it's very close to 50 50. Um, I was surprised that she was bet up as a favorite in this fight, but it just speaks to how incredible she's mastered, you know, moving up it. Like she, like, you know, I said it earlier, she's defined pound for pound. You know? We talk about pound for pound matchups. This is someone who went from 140 to 115 not just back-to-back fights, but like in less than four months, that's, you know, that that's insane. And then to go right back to your natural fighting weight. So if anyone is capable of it, it's her. Katie is the one I'm worried about because the one fight she had at like 140, she looked good, but it wasn't vintage Katie Taylor. It's like, and how much higher, like if she even moves up to like 141 to fight Jessica McCaskill, that's a risk. Jessica's showing she could fight at 140 and 147. So Amanda's not the one I'm worried about. Like if she figures it out, like just how to be at maximum strength um, at lightweight. Yes, it's absolutely still a 50-50 fight.
3: Split decision win for Katie Taylor on Saturday. If they fought again, any outcome is possible. You could convince me Serrano by knockout. You could convince me Taylor by lopsided decision. You can convince me right. split decision win. That's how good these two women are. And you mentioned the top, this wasn't just a great fight for women's boxing, great night for boxing, fight of the year yeah. front runner right now. Absolutely. A, uh, a incredible performance i'll read all of jake's stuff over at boxing scene did a great job all yeah. week covering taylor serrano for boxing scenes post-fight coverage is up there as well jake good to catch up man i'll see you at the next one
0: thanks so much chris always a pleasure
2: it's freddie prince jr and jeff Dye back in the ring wrestling with freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season hey jeff